Welcome to Banking on KC. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thank you for joining us. With us on this episode is Jan Kramer, a longtime Kansas City business, civic, and philanthropic leader. She's currently the board chair of KC Scholars. Welcome, Jan. Thank you. Good to be with you. You have been so involved in Kansas City over the last many years, and it's a pleasure to be able to talk with you and to get your perspective on how far we've come and and where we can go. But first, I want to start this way. You are known, you know, as a former chair of the Kauffman Foundation Board of Trustees, or some people might know you as the former president and CEO of the Greater Kansas City Community Foundation, or even through your work with the Kauffman Center for the Performing Arts. But I think one of the most fascinating things that I've learned about you is that you were the creator of Exchange City. Yes, I was. (laughs) And I love the fact that we're starting with that because that was actually the very first thing back in 1978 that I worked on in the community. I was at that time executive director of the Learning Exchange, and we had an opportunity as an organization to take on an objective the business community had, which was to help our students be better connected to the world of business and economics. And so we got our very talented team of teachers together that we worked with at the Learning Exchange. And actually that group came up with the idea that said, look, the concepts of supply and demand, opportunity, cost, scarcity are rather vague and at times boring concepts for our students What if we could create an experience, Exchange City was the result, that would really let these students live and breathe those concepts and hopefully begin to ignite an interest uh, for them in business. So we set about building it. We had great support from Bill Hall and Gene Bates at Hallmark and their artists, which created just the most magnificent prototype of the city to allow the students, which were about 20,000 a year when it got rolling, to really role play and put into action their ideas on how they would run a business, how they might be a mayor, how they would be a police officer, how they would function in a community and leadership role. So it was pretty exciting to watch that all unfold. I remember as a parent going as a chaperone to my daughter's field trips to Exchange City. And it was, it was, it just came to life. And that experiential, that immersion really brought the concepts home to the kids. So thank you for doing that. You know, we built this and it is amazing how wherever I would go after that experience, like you, I was introduced as this person doing this or this person, you know, doing that. All people, once they heard I'd been associated with Exchange City, all of a sudden, the other things didn't matter. I had real credibility with everybody in the audience, and I quickly learned a way to engage the audience and connect with them is for me to ask them about their experience. Now, mind you, some of these were 20, 25 years later And Kelly, it was so much fun seeing the animation on their face, the excitement, and they could tell you chapter and verse what they did that day 
<laughs> and how successful they were in their role at Exchange City. So obviously, it certainly made an impression on the students and all of us who were privileged to watch and work with that project. Yes, very much so. And despite what you just said, the work that you went on to do is extremely important. You've played an instrumental role in shaping many of Kansas City's most well-known institutions and then, you know, by extension, shaping Kansas City itself. And we could easily spend an entire podcast talking about any one of those endeavors. So what I'd like to do is with each of the things that I just mentioned, find out what you think was the most important achievement that occurred as a result of your work and why. So let's start with the Community Foundation. You've become nationally known among Community Foundation leaders for your pioneering work, which focused on donor intent. Now that seems pretty... uh, well-known concept these days, but it really wasn't at one point. So talk with us about why that concept was a game changer. I'm glad you phrased it that way because it was a game changer. I don't think we knew at the time how much of a game changer it was, but very simply put, community foundations had been operating long before Kansas City came onto the scene. We were, as they said, a Johnny-come-lately to the whole movement. And we noticed all of them, if uh, except two, had what you would call an endowment model, or we paraphrased it to people wanting to participate, give it to us, we know best, and this board will direct your money. Now, we'll give you good tax advantages and good services, but we'll direct it. Well, as we began to present the opportunity of our community foundation, you should see the blank looks on their faces. I mean, people are going, well, why would I want to do that? And I hate to hearken back to Exchange City because it was, in a sense, an accidentally strategic insight for me that I ran across. But that immersion, watching those kids participate also came to play as we said, you know, we need a model, the donor advice model that doesn't say give it to us, we know best, but rather it says, we want you to be involved. We want to connect you to the issues and the organizations you care about. And when we do that, we'll make giving easy, flexible, and effective for you, but we want you involved. And I think if I could give you all of the statistics and they're stunning what the generosity of this community has accomplished. I mean, in 20 years, we took it from 10 million to a billion and now it has over 4 billion in assets. When I left, we had 2000 funds. Now they have 5,600 funds. We were making a hundred million in grants. And now they're making close to $687 million per year in grants in the community. But even as stunning, Kelly, as those numbers are, the real secret sauce here has been in the level of engagement and involvement. These donors not only made grants, but they become aware of what's important in our community. What are our opportunities? How can I get involved? And I think it's that igniting of that fabric of our community and getting people, again, if you will, experientially involved has been, I would say, the thing all of us 
who got behind the donor advised fund movement when we started that we're proudest of. Yeah, it has experienced phenomenal growth, as you say. And I'm always amazed to see the stats that come out nationally. And Kansas City, for a small market, always ranks very, very high in terms of giving. We're in the top 1% in assets. Yes. In number of funds in grants made, that's phenomenal for a community our size. Given what you said and given other observations that you have experienced firsthand, what is your view on the role philanthropy has played in the vibrancy of the Kansas City community? Take it beyond the philanthropic sphere and talk about the community as a whole. And why is it important to continue to encourage and support this kind of giving? Well, the giving, the numbers in it itself, I think in its history, we've given away something like $5 billion. So... I mean, think of what that has done to help us build institutions of all sizes and to support them. So the sheer capital, if you will, that we have to support things, and it allows us to weather those big sea changes as corporations come and go from our community or as their balance sheets experience trouble We have, if you will, I'd like to think of it as a community savings account, helping us to weather those issues. COVID was a great example of that, where the Community Foundation and the generosity of donors and corporations put together a several million dollar fund and were extremely important in keeping agencies running, helping to assist with those people in need. That kind of thing is important. But I think as much as anything, the fact that we went from 10 million now to what Debbie Wilkerson and the great team at the Community Foundation to 4 billion, there is an aspirational sense of confidence in Kansas City. When we want to build something, whether it is, you know, world-class children's hospital, world-class art museum, the Performing Arts Center, beginning to build world-class bikes and trails throughout the city, working on issues, I really believe they know we can do that, that we have demonstrated, not aspirationally, but factually, that we have the giving ethic to make anything happen that we want to put our minds to. You were talking about some of the other foundation work here in Kansas City. And of course, everybody globally knows the Kauffman Foundation, and you helmed that at one point. What, as you recall, when you think back about your time there, what do you think was accomplished that really set the stage for Uh, taking that to the next level. We were able, during my chairmanship, along with a terrific board, really put in place a world-class staff. When you think of the job that Wendy Gillis has done the last eight years, how she has led not only building just a terrific team of smart people, but also people with the kind of humility and values that very much mirror Mr. Kaufman. So we are able with this staff, I think, to have donor alignment again, Mm -hmm. where we are operating very much in 100% in what he intended to have happen. And not only the subject matter, but how we go about it. And the result has been, I think if you ask most people, they feel connected 
back to the Kauffman Foundation and they feel confident that they are now a community partner and collaborator. It also goes with, I think we put together a great board of directors, a great group of people uh, that are really committed in a strong partnership with the staff to carry out Mr. Kaufman's intention. So that I think is maybe the proudest thing. You, you started out with donor intent and you said, well, that should be obvious. Well, it isn't always obvious. And I think getting that right is the real secret in philanthropy. Let's stay with uh, the Kauffman Foundation and its mission, major one being entrepreneurship. Do you see entrepreneurship being key to the economic growth of Kansas City? And how does Kansas City compare globally when it comes to entrepreneurship? Well, I think it is certainly a key to Kansas City, but I'd be so bold just to say it is really a key to the economic vibrancy across the country. When you look at really the number of small businesses and startups and the percentage of what they contribute back to, certainly in Kansas City, but around the country, it is a key thing. And as communities, certainly Kansas City, look to retool their corporate base and businesses, entrepreneurship is, I think, real important strategy. I think what Kaufman is doing, and again, inspired by Mr. Kaufman, is smart. First of all, you know, he started off with the idea everyone has a fundamental right to turn an idea into an economic reality. And so the strategies that our team has put in place is to put those tools that will help emerging budding entrepreneurs be successful And they're tackling, I think, what is the most challenging, and that is access to capital. And so Kaufman is working to open up those gates, if you will, to provide access for women and entrepreneurs of color to be able to take the great ideas and talents that they have and to help them flourish. And I think we're having success in that. And I also want to compliment the banking community here. They're opening up to this. They're trying to understand what the issues are. So it's, again, another good story of Kansas City listening and learning and trying to make things better. Earlier, when you were talking about the fact that when people come up with an idea in Kansas City, that they know that there's a really good chance that that's going to happen in terms of building something. And one of those that you mentioned is the Kauffman Center for the Performing Arts. You played a role in that. You played a role in fundraising for it. Talk to us about your involvement with the Kauffman Center for the Performing Arts and how it's led to a stronger focus on the arts, not just in Kansas City, but in bringing national recognition to Kansas City as a leader in the performing arts. It's been written up in the New York Times and in major publications globally. Of all the things I worked on, this was my most favorite, and I'll try to explain why. When I heard of Mrs. Kaufman, Muriel Kaufman's vision, and her daughter Julia's willingness to carry it out, I was blown away. Now, it wasn't about, I I knew they were going to build a great building, something stunning that we would all be proud of. But this was their vision. And having worked in philanthropy and nonprofits for 20 or 30 years, it was so magnanimous what they were trying to pull off. 
She said the following, basically, and I'm paraphrasing. I'm sorry, Mrs. Kaufman, if I muff this a bit, but it, <laughs> it really impressed me. And that was she wanted to build a performing arts center that would ignite the vibrancy of the performing arts, primarily the symphony, the ballet, the opera, and the Herman William Jewell series, so that they could attract the best talent because people would want to perform and play in that facility. And not only was she going to build that with the help of the community, of course, but she said, we will find a way through our board and our savvy, basically, to really underwrite a portion of the fees they pay to perform and rent our house. So all of the arts groups, symphony, ballet, lyric, Herman William Jewell pay, now get this, below market value to be in the facility. Those organizations take up 80% of the available dates, which leaves 20% for money making. And basically she said, we will not only give you a great venue, but we're gonna make it affordable for you. And board and staff of the Performing Arts Center, you're gonna to have to economically make the rest of this work. And it has. And that to me was one of the most profound strategic insights because if you've been there, that old axiom, I guess we just saw it in the baseball, you build it and they will come, the place is sold out. And the symphony is soaring, the ballet is soaring, the lyric is doing very well. And her dream and her vision to give this kind of a feel and success to the arts in Kansas City, it's one of the best philanthropic visions I was ever around. And I'm just proud to have watched her, heard about it. And, and really, I did a teeny, a, a little bit of fundraising. I wasn't as key as some, but I did get to watch and now I'm on the board and it's a privilege. I remember when it was being, the concept was being discussed and you'd read about it in the paper. And, and one of the things I was most impressed with during all of those discussions was the desire to uh, make the performing arts accessible to all, not just to an elite group, but to all. And the way that the groups of school children are able to come in, well, you know, before COVID, were able to come in and experience this. And everybody, and even you know, before it opened, the tours that were given, I mean, they snaked around the sidewalk all around downtown, people trying to get in. That impressed me a lot. It impressed me too. And I, and I should, Julia, just tell some delightful stories about just what you said, that she expects the staff to make it accessible to the school children and, and you know, the building's meticulous. And I remember somebody, I, I might've been the smart aleck that said, well, what about the gum under the seat? She said, get a knife out, Jan, and scrape oh. it off. I don't care. I don't <laughs> care if they sleep, fall asleep during the performance, but they're going to feel the building. They're going to experience the building. And then when they're adults, trust me, they'll come back. We're just getting such wonderful supportive comments from the Latino, Hispanic, African-American communities who have input into the programming 
And they will tell you, they find a, a place uh, in the Kansas City Presents series, which is what we control. And it's, it's very satisfying. You were talking about the school children. That is a great segue into this next area that I know that you're just incredibly passionate about, and that is education. What are some of the investments that Kansas City is making or should be making in this area? We are making some very good progress in creating access to training for all groups, but especially those populations in need. Kansas City Scholars has just an enormous track record after five years and has set a goal of, think of this, 20,000 students and adults by 2027 will either be involved in a two-year, four-year credentialing, skill-building pathway that will lead to a job that we, as an organization with our business communities, been terrific, will connect them to. That is a really big breakthrough. I think some of the programs that Kaufman is leading around real-world learning, which is helping school districts recalibrate their curriculums to be able to have the students work not only on information, but on life skills, and then set them in a pathway where they can have shadowing experience, internships. So that we think is really valuable. I think the last program that is just starting to emerge that I think is one of the most promising and most important programs I've seen, it's called We Code KC, where they're targeting 10,000 students and adults over the next three years to, again, with training and skill building, giving them a pathway into technology skills. They are also then giving them internships in businesses, which I think will be invaluable not only in the training, but giving them that network they need to be hired in these jobs. As you know, those are some of the most high-paying jobs in the city and to begin to build that talent pipeline. And we need the workers, so that's exciting. So I think these kind of, uh, what I would call, recalibration of how we're working with our students are invaluable. But maybe the most important thing I hope the community will embrace, and that is this teacher shortage. We've just touched it here in Kansas City, but it'll be like a tsunami if we don't get on it. I'd encourage you all to look at what Minnesota and Wisconsin are doing as states to aggressively go after it. I I would say as aggressive as we would go after building a stadium for the Chiefs or the Royals. They understand if we don't have teachers, we don't have a way to create a talent pipeline. We're not going to be a vibrant community. So those are some of the things I hope we start paying attention to. Given all that you've been involved with, what does the future of Kansas City look like to you? Where do you see us several years down the road? I would say it is bright because we have the answers before us whether it's uh, Kansas City Scholars, what we're doing with the educational reforms in the school district, what we're doing uh, quite aggressively with the Civic Council, Chamber of Commerce, the civil rights organizations around diversity and inclusion. Those particular projects 
that they are working on are certainly important from a value standpoint, who we want to be as a diverse, inclusive community. But pragmatically, we need every worker that's living in the region to be trained and able to step up for the jobs. There was a recent report that came out, I think, last week saying that Kansas City did experience growth for the first time in a while, and the majority of the growth were from diverse populations. Again, opportunity. Here, people are moving here. They are part of our community. Now we match up and align these training opportunities, skill building, and a real commitment to get people connected to high-paying jobs. That's how we'll keep the vibrancy in the future alive. Well, Jan, with people like you on board and working to make it a reality, I'm sure it will be. Thank you so much for all your contributions to Kansas City and for taking the time to talk with us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Kelly. This is Joe Close, president of Country Club Bank. Thank you to Jan Kramer for being our guest on this episode of Banking on KC. Jan has played an instrumental role in shaping many of Kansas City's most well-known institutions, the Kansas City Community Foundation, the Ewing Marion Kaufman Foundation, the Kaufman Center for the Performing Arts, and many others, including her current role as a board member for KC Scholars. By extension, Jan has shaped Kansas City itself. A major strategic insight Jan gained early on is that if people can become actively engaged in and connected to the projects, organizations, and causes they care about, the more successful each of those projects, organizations, and causes will be, whether it's deciding for themselves how their charitable dollars will be spent, having input into programming for the arts, or playing an active role in building hiking and biking trails. Jan is right, when people are included, when they feel like their ideas matter and their voices are heard, when their education and training connect them to jobs where they earn a fair wage, their individual confidence swells, and we become an entire community brimming with confidence. And that's when we can make anything happen. Let's do it, Kansas City. Thanks for tuning in this week. We're banking on you, Kansas City. Country Club Bank, member FDIC.